Man, man, what an awesome message is that Dr. Savell, or if, if you've been, been visiting with us. Um, Dr. Savell and Ms. Carolyn founded this church based on the visitation from the Lord in September of 2000. And um, he was in South Africa at the time. And the Lord visited Miss Carolyn at the foot of her bed and, and said, you've had things all over the world, outreaches and offices all over the world. And, and the Lord spoke to her and said, there's hurting people in your community. I want you to love them for me. And so t- three weeks later, they had their first church service. And, um, and over a period of time, you know, um, just Dr. Savell endeavored to travel and and do what God's called him to do around the world and in Africa, Australia, and where all we have offices. And, and, um, but he just knew that, that you know, he, he, was, he was graced and established to start the church. Um, and he's an apostle, so that's what he functioned as as a church. And that's, a, that's, an, that's an office that was given to the church and also prophets, evangelists, and teachers. And, and, but, he, but he thought in his heart that we were called to, us to be the pastors of this church. And, and, and so they're the apostles, and they have oversight of the church, and we're submitted to them. We're here to serve them in any, any capacity as an outreach of Jerusalem Ministries. And, 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 and then, but Annette and I, we're, we're the pastors. They entrust us with that responsibility to feed the flock, to correct the flock, instruct the flock. If better. <laughs> yeah, and um, all those things. <laughs> so... Praise the Lord. Lord, help my tongue this morning. Um, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. And, uh, and so that's our role. And, and so, but it's so good to hear when the Lord places an apostolic message on his life. And, um, and you know, last couple of weeks, uh, ministering on, on, he talked about how in hard times, God will rescue you. What awesome message. I encourage you to go back and listen to those over and over and over again. A lot of good nuggets in there. And my responsibility as, uh, as a, your pastor has been preparing us to walk in what God desires to, to walk out what God desires us to walk in. And that's why I've been talking about being strong, having a strong spirit. Because as we learn, it's a strong spirit that will sustain you in adversity. Because he ministered and he said, in hard times, God will rescue you. But the thing is, is, is if you don't have a strong spirit, you'll give up before the rescue. You'll, you'll, you'll throw in the towel before the rescue. You'll just throw up your hands and say, forget it. I'm just going to go back and do, do what I used to do because, look, I, I just can't deal with this. I can't, I can't handle any more. But it's a strong spirit of a man that will sustain him in adversity. If you have your Bibles, turn to... Uh, go to just go to First John and First um, John chapter two, and I'll I'll get there in a moment. I'm not going to take any time to review because I'm really dealing with strong spirit, but also dealing with this aspect of what Doctor Savell ministered to us about in hard times, God will rescue you. Can you say that with me? In hard times, God will rescue you. Say He'll rescue me. Make it personal. Let me read this in Daniel 11 first, and then, we'll, and then I'll go to 1 John chapter 2. Daniel eleven thirty two. the last part of that verse says, But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The people, the people, the people that who know 
their God shall be strong. So it's what I know that's going to determine my strength. What you know, what you feed on, what you listen to, what you meditate on, who you get your truth from is going to determine whether you walk strong or you will give or or when adversity comes, will you give up? The question is, what do you know when you're in battle? What do you know when you're in battle? If you're, if uh, we have those, any of those that are in the military in here and they train you, you're trained to trust the person that's in the foxhole with you. You're, you're trusting your platoon. You're trusting those that are alongside of you. You're trusting your sergeant. You're trusting your, their, your leader. No matter what they say, you're going to do what they say and you're going to do it immediately. Why? Because you know their voice and you know that they're not going to do anything that, that will try to, they're not going to, uh, they're going to direct you in the right way and what you need to do that's best for the, the entire team and what's best for the people that you're protecting. Why? Because you know the person you're walking with. You know the person that you're running with. They that the people that know their God will be strong. If, if I've been weak in areas of my life, I have to go back into, I have to go back and meditate on what do I know about God? Because evidently, if I'm walking in with weakness and walking with, with discouragement and walking with disappointment that's waging against me, then evidently I need to renew my mind to who God is. Because it's those that know their God shall be strong and they'll do great exploits. So not only do, do my knowing God will make me strong, but also my knowing will affect my actions and will affect my outcomes. Now let's go to first John. Do you know God? Because if you know God, you will be strong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My heart, my heart, Sunday after Sunday or Wednesday, our, my entire passion as a pastor is that you would know God. That you would know him. First John chapter 2. I'll read this in the New King James. And then we'll look at it in the New Living Translation. He says, I have written to you fathers. Because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men. Because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Let me, let me look this in the New Living Translation. Can you put this up, Kelly? In the New Living. Let's read this together. I have written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I have written to you who are young in the faith because you're strong and God's word lives in your hearts. Let's, let's, let's take that step by step for a moment. I have written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I'm writing to you because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in the faith. If they're mature in the faith, that means they know the word because what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So if you're mature in faith, that means you're established in the faith. You're immovable. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. So here in the scripture, we're seeing a couple things. We're seeing, you know, the father and those that are mature in, in, in the faith, they know Jesus. I have written to you who were young in the faith because you're strong. 
Because God's word lives in your hearts. God's word lives in your hearts. God's word lives in your heart. You're strong because God's word lives in your heart. So where does this strength come from? God's word lives in your heart. Where does faith, faith in God come from? God's word in your heart. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I know God because I know the word. I know Jesus because I know the word. And I'm strong because I know God. I'm strong because I know Jesus. And I'm strong because I know the word. Do you see that? I'm writing to children. I'm writing to fathers. And then then it says this. He says, and you have won your battle with the evil one. Hallelujah. I declare that you will win the battle over the enemy. I declare you'll win the battle over the enemy of your soul. I declare that you'll win the battle over whatever destructive force is coming against you. I declare that you'll win the battle over what's trying to destroy your marriage. You'll win the battle over what's trying to destroy your physical body. You will win the battle. Why? Because you know God. You know Jesus. Because you know the word. It's because I know the word. I'm strong. If you do not know the word, you will never be strong to stand in adversity. It doesn't matter how strong you are in the natural. Paul says, you know, bodily exercise profits little. Doesn't say it doesn't profit. So don't escape. Don't, don't, don't push, don't push exercise aside. Now you need to exercise. You need to get your steps in, but you you need to get the word in. Get those steps in, but you need to get the seed in. You need the seed of God's word in because this is life and health to all your being, all your flesh. This is where it's at, church. Oh, I will, Valinda. (laughs) Oh, if you you just know what's coming this morning, you you would have said what Valinda said. I mean, I'm telling you. (laughs) I'm telling you. Hallelujah. (laughs) But I got to teach things first. Hold on. Now think about this. The word is seeds. What does it say? God's word lives in your heart. If something lives, then it will be considered alive. So look at it this way. God's word is alive in your hearts. It's alive. What does Hebrews say? That the word of God is alive. Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.8. The word is alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between soul and spirit, joint and marrow in the thoughts of the intents of the heart. So this word is alive on the inside of me. Let's get rid of all uncertainty and be fully persuaded that God's word works. Why does it make me strong? Because it's how I know God. You'll never know God apart from the word. You're never going to know God. Listen to, listen to Oprah. You're never going to know God. Listen to, listen to your friend online to tell you their theory of what they think God is and and, and, and their background, their understanding. No, you got to go to the Word. The Word. Be fully persuaded. Now, when the Word is sown, 
Faith comes. Faith comes. Nothing will happen without the word of God being sown. We all know the story, or most of us know the story. I don't want to assume that people know the story. The woman with the issue of blood. Have you heard that story? Remember, nothing happens without the word. If you don't have the word, you don't have faith to believe for it. You say, you say, Pastor Justin, I'm believing, I'm believing for this. Well, what's your word for it? Don't tell me, tell me what you think. Tell me the word. What does the word say about it? Well, I, I just believe God's a healer. Do you know a scripture about it? Are you just, are you going by what someone else said? What's the word on it? Because the word is the seed that makes me strong. And the word is what causes me to overcome the enemy. So the woman with the issue of blood, I, I believe, I, I believe it had to be imperative because this is how God works. She had to have heard about something first. Her, her faith to touch the hem of his garment didn't just come from nowhere. She didn't just wake up one day and say, you know what? I heard I, 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 there's a man walking down the street and, and I think if, you know, it just, you know what? Maybe it's a good idea that if, you know, I'm going to touch, um, you know, the, the hem of his garment. You know what? I, I could be healed today. No. You can only operate by the knowledge that you've received. What was the, so I, I, I believe a couple things had to happen. One, she either heard about the words of Jesus. She heard maybe her neighbor, maybe the physician, maybe one of the 12 physicians says she went to go see. Maybe he was talking about this man called Jesus and he's healing people and, 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 and he's going around and he's preaching and he's teaching and he's healing. So maybe th there was a word sown somewhere into her heart. Maybe she received a word or heard about a word in the Old Testament. Maybe a word that came from written uh, in the book of Ruth with Boaz. And maybe she said something like this. May you richly be rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you trust and take refuge. Maybe, maybe she had that word that, that he's the, he's the one I need to trust in. And maybe, maybe I'm this one and, and I'm going to trust in the wings under this Lord that I trust in. The, the wings of a, of a priest or a wings of a prophet. It wasn't talking about the wings that, that, that God would fly with. It's talking about the high priest garment and the hem of the garment with the wings on them. So when she was touching touching the hem of his garment, she was touching what we would know as wings. So maybe she was meditating and she heard about this, this, this woman that could touch the wings because she trusted in. May you richly be rewarded by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you trust and take refuge. Or maybe she got a hold of the word from Malachi chapter 4 verse 2 that says the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Her, her faith had to come from somewhere. Whether it was through a testimony or, uh, or someone re rehearsing what he preached somewhere else, or maybe it was the word written by in Ruth, or maybe it was a prophet Malachi saying that the son of righteousness 
will come and rise with healing in his wings. Maybe this is the, and, and that was all a prophecy about the Messiah. Maybe she can say in this Jesus, this Jesus she heard about, maybe he's the son of righteousness that's rising with healing in his wings. And if I just touch the hem of his garment, if I just touch and trust in those wings and, I, and there's healing in these wings, if I can just get a hold of the wings, then I will be healed. This, this son of righteousness that will arise. The word arise in there means to come forth. It means to break through. It means to break out. It means to appear. It means to come through. So maybe here she's meditating on this, this whole aspect that this son of righteousness that's going to break through. Maybe it's the son of righteousness that's going to appear. Maybe, maybe Dylan, this Jesus, the one that Malachi wrote, wrote about, maybe he's the one that's appeared. That has healings, healing. And that particular word healing means, now listen to this, means deliverance. And it means to rescue and bring to safety. In hard times, God will rescue you. Why? Because you can have faith just like that woman with the issue of blood that the son of righteousness has appeared. The son of righteousness has broken through. The son of, son of righteousness has come and he has healing and deliverance and he rescues and brings to safety. Maybe that's what her faith was in. So therefore, in one of the, one of the writings in the gospel, listen to this, it said she kept saying... It didn't say she just believed it, but it said as she went in one of the gospels, it says she kept saying, if I just touch the hem of his garment, if I just touch the hem, if I just lay hold of the hem, if I just, if I can touch Jesus, then I'm touching the one that rescues me. I'm touching the one that delivers me. I'm touching the one that makes me whole. I'm touching the son of righteousness. Faith has to be in the word, but really ultimately it's in him. She had to know him from somewhere to have faith in him that if she touched, the miracle would happen. Let's go to Psalm 71. Psalm 71. Bless you. Thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you as Jesus taught. It said as, the, as he preached the word, it says the power of the Lord was present to heal. I believe the son of righteousness is in this place. Mm. Thank you, Father. Psalm 71. Let's just take our time with this for a little bit. Let's just see how far we get in this this morning. If not, we'll pick up next week. Verse 1 of Psalm 71 in the New King James, it says, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. I put my faith. Why would he? You'll never put your trust in something you don't know. And most of the time you go to a place... You're going, to, you're going to visit some place or you're going to go to a restaurant based on what someone else said, said about it. I mean, how many people in here, you, you don't go to a restaurant unless you went to Yelp first. How many stars does it have? How many reviews does it have? Well, it gave it, a five, it gave it a five stars, but there's only one review. 
And it was the owner. You, you see, because you're going to go to a place, you'll trust in a place based on what you know someone else said about it. And so th- this goes beyond what someone else knows about it. It has to go from what someone else knows to what you know. So when someone else told you, you're like, hey, I'll try it out. And then you went and I'll be like, Eric, I'm, man, you need to go. You need to go to Andy's Custard, I'm telling you. And you need to get the melted chocolate that's in there and it gets hard. you got to get that because it's good. Because not just, not Joseph didn't tell me about it. Because, you know, my, Joseph told me about it. But, but I'm telling you, now I know from experience. You're not going to trust in something you don't know. And so many people, and I've been guilty of this, where I've tried to operate and have faith in God, but I haven't, didn't know him myself. And, and the body of Christ is guilty of trying to operate in mountain moving faith, but refuse to get to know him themselves. So this trust had to come from a position of personal experience and personal time. And it had to come from knowing the word. If he didn't know the word of, of he didn't know the Torah and he didn't know the, the words of, of Moses, he would have never have known the word and God's character for himself. And you won't either. So in you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Now listen, deliver me in your righteousness. I want to give you a new perspective about righteousness today from a different perspective. Now, as I've talked about our position, we are right. We are. I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not trying to get righteous. I'm righteous. Can, anybody else with me? So when we talk about righteousness today, I'm not talking about my position today. I want you to get a new perspective of righteousness from a kingdom of God perspective. Because I believe righteousness is a force. Righteousness is a spiritual force. It's not a natural commodity. It's a spiritual force. And I'm going to show you what I mean. So this one that trusts in God, David here trusts in God. He says, deliver me in your righteousness. So I could say it this way. It's because of his righteousness he delivers me. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Hallelujah. Deliver me in your righteousness. Now, I want to get ahead of myself here. Righteousness. Now, I'm not an English professor or very good at English. I get by with a little help from my friends. Grammarly, my mom, <laughs> my wife, <laughs> spell check. Come on, I'm not the only one. Come on, kid. <laughs> righteousness. Now, righteousness is an interesting word because it's a word that has two suffixes. Now, just let's take off the second suffix, which is N-E-S-S. And so the first part, righteous. Anytime you see O-U-S on the end of the word, it means to become full. So if you say glorious, it means full of glory. So that means if Jesus is coming back for a glorious church, meaning he's coming back for a church that's what? Full of what? If he said, oh, they they were joyous, meaning they were what? Full of what? So if you're righteous, you're full of what? (laughs) 
You're full of right. So here, you're going to deliver me because God's going to deliver me because he's full of right. He's going to deliver you because he's full of right. There's no wrong in him. He has to deliver you because he's right. Now, if you add N-E-S on the end of it, righteousness, the word N-E-S all of a sudden changed the word from a adjective to a noun. So righteousness is now talking about the state or quality of something. So now, not only am I talking about righteousness, saying, okay, he is the God that is full of right, but also it's who he is. It's his constant, consistent state of being. He's going to deliver me in his righteousness. Why? Because his constant, consistent state and quality of person is he's full of right. So it's in this quality, it's in me knowing this quality in this state, in this consistent state of being right, that it says that he causes me to escape. Wow. He brings me to safety. He rescues me. See, why, why is in hard times God's going to rescue me, as Dr. Savelle was mentioning? Why? Because of his constant, consistent state of being right, and he's full of it. If his constant state of being and doing right, and being right, then that means there's no wrong in him. There's no def, uh, uh, defect in him. There's no deficiency in him. He is right and he's always right. And he's going to rescue you. Why? Because he's full of right. That's why he had to send Jesus and, and Jesus had to die on the cross for us. Jesus had to go to us. It was his choice. He still had to lay down his life for it. Why? Because Jesus was the son of righteousness. Because the son of righteousness has to do and be and is in a constant state of whatever is wrong to make it right. Mm, that's deep, isn't it? <laughs> so I'm going to get a new perspective about right, righteousness this morning. Because understanding, and this is why it's so important, is you'll never operate in the fullness of your righteousness if you don't know the fullness of his righteousness. Just like if you don't know the fullness of his love, you'll never be able to operate in love to someone else. I'll never be able to love my wife the way I need to love my wife if I don't know how much God loves me. And it's the same, it's the same thing. It's this righteousness. Let's, let's keep going. We could keep going with that. But Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and what? Save me. Listen, he calls it this, this one that deliver me in your righteousness. It's your righteousness. It's, he, he's praying. He says, God, deliver me in your constant state of righteousness. You'll cause me to escape. 
you'll save me. He says, be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. Now, get, listen to this. You have given the commandment to save me. Woo. Hallelujah. Wow. The one that is always constantly right. Not only that, he gave the command to save me. So just like God gave the, gave the command and said, light be, he made the same command and said, save them. Deliver them. Rescue them. Heal them. Restore them. Strengthen them. Empower them. Speak to them. You deliver me. He, you command, you gave the command. And if you translate this word command in the Hebrew, it means you ordained it, you prepared it. You ordained it and you prepared it. He ordained and he prepared my salvation. He spoke it into being. When he spoke it into being, it became something he ordained. Mm. Deliver me in your right. So why would he rescue me in hard times? Because he's righteous. Because of his righteousness. His righteousness. Oh, thank you, Father. Mm. Now, verse 4. Actually, I, mm. you have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me. Oh, my God, out of the hand of the wicked. Out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. So, so the one that is full of righteousness delivers me out of the hand that's unrighteous. If the one that does constantly does righteousness is constantly in the state of being right, then what would be someone that operates in unrighteousness? Someone that constantly and does things in a state of wrong to bring things in a place of destruction and ruin. If, if God's righteousness make things right, the enemy, his desire is to bring things to ruin. Hallelujah. Verse 5, for you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust from my youth. By you, I have been upheld from birth. Mm. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb, and my praise shall continually be of you. I mean, I can't stop praising you. Why? Because of his righteousness. All this is based on, on your delivering me because of your righteousness. Yeah. Kelly, can you put that up in the Amplified, verse 6? And I've I ministered along this before, but I believe it ties in really well here. Mm, thank you, Father. Upon you have I leaned and relied from birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb, and you have been my benefactor from that day. My benefactor. My benefactor. Hallelujah. I think, I think we could, it just came up in my heart, I think we could say, who took me from my mother's womb and you have been the favor factor from that day. You have been my benefactor. Now, the, a benefactor, and, and this is what I, I 
research in this in the Hebrew, the best word for the word upheld and benefactor here is the one that gives me the advantage. The one that gives, if you have a benefactor, then you have someone that is giving you advantage to do your dream. If you go to a, and you do a business plan and you take that business plan and you're looking for, uh, and you're, and what are you doing? You're looking for investors and you're presenting that business plan to these investors and what they become is your benefactors. They are the one that are giving you the advantage to fulfill your dream. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, saying, Lord, you are my benefactor and you been my benefactor from my youth. You're the one that's giving me the advantage. Hallelujah. Just, sh- sh- just shrug your neighbor there and say, I've got a benefactor. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that lets me know, and that lets, that's, lets the psalmist know, that, that, and it reveals to me that, that, that Pastor Phil, I'm not in this myself. I'm not, on, I'm not on my own. I have a benefactor. You have a benefactor. You have a benefactor. You have a benefactor. Danny, you have a benefactor. You, you, I've got someone that's with me. I've got someone that's backing me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I have a benefactor. Thank you, Jesus. A benefactor. Another uh, uh, definition of this. I don't want to forget about it. It says someone or something that provides aid, help, or an advantage to assist in a cause. Hallelujah. To assist in a cause. No matter where I am or what I'm facing, I have the advantage because I have a benefactor. And this benefactor is full of righteousness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Just, just praise him for a moment. Hallelujah. Mm, Thank you, Father. I have a benefactor. My praise. It says my praise is continually of him. Can we praise him for a moment? Just, Father, we praise you that you are, you are the one that gives us aid. You're the one that gives us advantage. I thank you that you are our benefactor. Your arm is not short, but I thank you that you are our strong fortress. I thank you that you surround about us. I thank you that you are right and you do right. There's no wrong in you. There's no sickness in you. There's no lack in you. There's no deficit in you. Hallelujah. I thank you that you do good, speak good, are good, lead us into good. Hallelujah. Thank you that you give us the advantage. Hallelujah. Thank you that, that we have the advantage. You gave us the advantage over the enemy. Hallelujah. Thank you. The enemy is under our feet. Hallelujah. Thank you that sickness is under our feet. I thank you that hopelessness is under our feet. Hallelujah. Fear is under our feet. Hallelujah. Thank you. The, the things that are waged against us and, and the feeling of hopelessness or purposelessness that what is our life about or what is the meaning of our life and what we're here. I declare the enemy has no voice, but I thank you that they will know from this day forward that they have a benefactor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That, that supports them and upholds them and sustains them in adversity. Oh, give him praise for it. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Now I'm getting to what I really want to share. <laughs> I, I want to share all of it, but this is, this is actually where this started a few weeks ago. Mm. Mm. Hallelujah. Let's see if there's anything I need to thank you, Father. Mm. Look at verse 12. Oh God, do not be far from me. 
Oh my God, make hasten to help me. Let them be confounded and consumed who are adversaries of my life. I command the adversaries of your life. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's just how you see yourself that those adversaries hallelujah, would be confounded and consumed. Hallelujah. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor who seek my hurt. Now listen to this. So he's talking about, he's not, he's not saying he doesn't have any attacks, right? We know he has an adversary. But verse 14 says, but, as Dr. Sola said, we got to read the buts in the Bible. But I will hope continually and I will praise you yet more and more. Now listen to this. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day. Now let's not stop reading. For I do not know their limits. Let that sink in for a moment. Let that set in for a moment. He, he's saying, he's saying uh, your salvation and your righteousness. Your righteousness and your salvation. A lot of times in scripture, you're going to see righteousness and salvation connected together. Because where righteousness is, he's there to make right. He's there to do something about what is unrighteous. The, the salvation is, is he, there was a great exchange that took place. My unrighteousness for his righteousness. So everywhere that you see righteousness, you're going to see God doing something to make whatever's wrong, to make it right. But I will hope continually, continually. Don't let go of your hope. Don't let, if you let go of your hope, then your faith has nothing to be sustained on. Faith is the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all day long. Philip, all day long. If you're going through something, stop talking about what's unrighteous in your life. And talk, start talking about what's righteous in your life. Stop talking about what's going wrong and start talking about what Jesus did right. Hallelujah. He says, all day long, I'm talking about righteousness and salvation. And I love this. He says, I don't know their limits. I don't think you got a hold of that. So I've had, I've had a few weeks to meditate on that. I mean, I, I don't know. The psalmist is saying, I don't know where his righteousness and salvation ends. It's innumerable. I don't care if he saved you 377 times. His righteousness, his, his rightness and his salvation is without limits. There's no limits to what he can do. Take the limits off of what God can do in your life. His righteousness and his salvation are without limits. They're innumerable. You can't calculate it. You can never come to their end. Hallelujah. Don't say you can't take anymore. Why? Because you need to know his righteousness and salvation and they are without limits. Hallelujah. Without limits. Without limits. Hallelujah. Without limits. I mean, limits is not just a quantity, but it's also a quality. 
Don't limit in, in him in do, being able to do a thing and also don't l- limit him in how much yes. he can or he can't do. Anytime, and I love this because if you try to cap his righteousness and salvation, then man will always limit themselves. If we, if he put a cap there and said, okay, well, righteousness and salvation is only this far, then what happens is we'll always think we arrived at that because carnal nature, carnal nature, sin nature said, will always say, well, it must not be for me. Well, I've already, you know, he already forgave, gave me four, you know, 770 times for that. You know, I'm done. No, there's no limit. There's no limit. There's no limit to what? There's no limit to how much? There's no limit. There's no limit. There's no limit. Don't limit your paycheck. Don't limit your position. Don't limit your place. Don't limit your church body. Don't limit your servant. Don't limit what you can do as a family. Don't limit anything. Why? Because it's righteousness and salvation without limits. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm definitely going to have to finish next week, but we'll keep, we'll, let's keep going. Um, just thank you, Father. Where to? Mm. First John chapter three. Mm. <laughs> Woo. Mm. Hallelujah. Will not be limited. Hallelujah. I don't care how long that symptom's been in my body. His righteousness, salvation is without limits. I don't care what the doctor said. His rights and limits are without, without limitation. He's without limitation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. Now, for the sake of time, I mean, I could unpack this a little more, but... Um, thank you, Lord. Let's look at verse 4. Lord, Holy Spirit, help this make sense to us this morning. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away sins. He, capital H, he was manifested to take away sins. So he, the son of righteousness, this is referring to Jesus. He, the son of righteousness, was manifested to take away sins, right? And in him, there's no sin. There's no sin in him. Why? Because he's righteousness. He's constantly, consistently, all the time, right. He does right. He makes right. So he was manifested to take away sin. What sin? Sin is a work of unrighteousness. In sin, where, where sin is, there's death and destruction, right? The wages of sin are what? Right. Thank you, Father. In him, there's no sin. So there's no unrighteousness in him. Whoever abides in him does not sin. So if I abide in him who is right, if I'm always hanging out with him who is right, then I'll never do wrong. Just stay with me here. Lord, help me. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He Now get this. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Now, for, for a moment and for this message, I want you to take yourself out of the mix. Because today, 
I want you to see righteousness from the nature of the Father and the nature of Jesus. Okay? Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. So if I'm doing what is right, then what am I doing? I'm doing what he's doing. Now this is, he who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. So if, now he's talking about practicing and he's talking about doing. So I'm talking about doing something, right? There's works involved here. There's a doing here. So he's saying, he who does righteous is of him who is righteous. He who that is of the devil, remember the devil, there's no unrighteousness in him. So the only thing the devil can do is bring destruction. The only thing Jesus and God can do is can bring right. You get that? He who sins is of the devil, for the devil was, was, has sinned from the beginning. Now listen, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Now let's, let me go up again. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. So if he, Jesus, is righteous, that means he's practicing righteousness, right? That means he's doing something. There's means he's involved in something. Holy, help, help me, Holy Spirit. He who sins of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So when he practices righteousness, him practicing righteousness is about this. He was manifested and he practices righteousness to do one thing, and that's to destroy the works of the devil. So when you and I practice righteousness, it's to destroy the works of the devil. You see, when I talk about his right, and I can't, I can't go further, we'll get into some more things next week. But, but, but when I talk about his righteousness this morning, it's having faith in the son of righteousness who rises with healing in his wings. He's, his righteousness and salvation knows no limits. Jesus practiced righteousness to destroy the works of the devil. Let's close with this. Acts chapter 10. And there's, like I said, the word of God is inexhaustible. So we could, there's a lot in, in these scriptures in First John. Hallelujah. He will deliver me because he's righteous. He will deliver me because him, because he practices righteousness. Let's look at Acts 10, 38, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, that he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. What was the message that he preached? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. When he was going about doing good, that's the same thing that Jesus practiced righteousness to destroy the works of the devil. He went about doing good, Joseph. 
He went about good, doing good, Terry. He went about doing good. He went about doing righteousness. Everywhere Jesus went, he was going about doing righteousness. He was taking things that are wrong and making them right. He was taking what was ruined and, 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 and restoring it. He, he was going about doing good. Now, now get this, the, the root form of the word of doing good in the Hebrew means benefactor. He went about doing good and giving people the advantage over the enemy. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil Now get this, for righteousness was with him. So righteousness isn't just my position that I have, but it's understanding the quality and character of the Father. Stand to your feet. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Righteousness and salvation know no limits. Bren, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Mm. While Eric was ministering about the anointing on Wednesday night, great message. Lord also spoke spoke this to my heart as he was ministering, that the anointing is the manifestation of God's righteousness. The anointing is the force of righteousness. The anointing. The anointing. It's his the anointing is his quality, his character, his ability. The anointing breaks every yoke. It removes every burden. It grinds it to powder. Can't be put back together again. The anointing. The anoint Jesus was anointed. And he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. What was he doing? He was a son of righteousness that had risen with healing in his wings, and he was carrying righteousness. Righteousness was working with him and in him and through him. So the anointing is God's presence and power and ability on my life to make things right in other people. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can just pray in the Holy Spirit. We are a spirit-filled church. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you for the anointing. I know it's Father's Day, but I also just want to be in tune with what the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish. There's no limits to His righteousness. There's no limits to His salvation. Hmm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Just press in for a moment. Danny, if you can come up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. It's who he is. He's a good, good father. He's a righteous father. 
He is right. He does right. He makes right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, we praise you, Father. We glorify you. We magnify you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, move up and down every aisle and in every single row. Minister life. I thank you that your life is in this place today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. That your force of righteousness has what's made us righteous and made us acceptable in the beloved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Mm, Righteousness. Well, now I know I have such a better understanding when it says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Kingdom, his kingdom. He is, he is right. He does right. That's why the word says seek first. Seek first his righteousness. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his rightness. Hmm. I just, just have a vision on the inside of me. I just see just things accelerating. I just see healings accelerating. I just see healings like popping like popcorn. I see, I just see just pr- promotion, provision. I just see a, I, I, I just see a, a well. I see a, I just see just like the river the river of God that comes from the throne of God. Hallelujah. Coming, flowing into this church and rising higher and higher. And then also flowing out of this church into the community. Hallelujah. And it will be God's righteousness and his salvation that has no limits. Mm. Give him a shout of praise. this morning. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.